Hey everyone, welcome back to the College Age Movement Podcast. This week we are going to be wrapping up a series that we've been doing through the book of 1 Corinthians. And if you're not familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians, just a little recap is that it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth about 55 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And over the last several weeks, we've been walking through the first, second, and third chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we could spend months and months in, in this letter, but Today, we're just going to skip forward to chapter 12 and 13. And what I want to do is just build on for a moment this thing that Paul actually talks about in chapter 3 that he doubles down on in chapter 12. And then we'll talk about uh, this glue statement made by Paul. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 does echo a lot of what we talked about last week. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25-31 through 31 say, So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So what Paul is saying in this is, no, not everybody is prophets. Not everybody is a teacher. Not everybody does miracles or gifts of healing or whatever. But they're all important. They all work in cohesion with one another. Every part is important. And so this kind of echoes back to last week, but the first point this week is together. One of the overarching messages of Paul, and more importantly, Jesus, was that community was going to be a vital part of so many different things, and two things in particular personal growth in Jesus, and kingdom growth of Jesus. That if we want to grow in our personal relationship with Jesus, we are going to need to put people around us. We're going to have to be able to ask questions and have dialogue and discussions and all of those different things that are so vital to us growing as personal followers of Jesus. And if we want to see the kingdom of God grow, if we want to see more people understand the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, we're going to have to do that together. We cannot do that on our own. If we're all out there trying to do hero work, none of us are going to get anything done. We have to understand the incredible power of community. You see, inherently, we are people who thrive when we are pursuing Jesus together and when we are pursuing the hearts of people together. Last week, Paul used the term co-workers in Christ, and I absolutely love that, that we are co-workers in Christ, that we are always working together towards the same goal. And now he doubles down and drives home the point that every part of the body is incredibly important. Every part of the body of Christ is of the utmost importance. No division, he says. No division. He says, we all suffer together and we all rejoice together. And I think that's such a, an amazing point that... If we are willing to do that, if we are willing to go through the hard times together and stick together as one body, then we will absolutely rejoice together as well. That we are rooting for each other to succeed, and when we fail, we are right there picking each other up, making sure that nobody feels like they are in this alone. 
See, one of the things that we struggle with in our human culture is watching other people succeed. We, we want to be that here. We want to be the winner. We want to be the one who is recognized. However, when we realize that the most important thing is understanding the unconditional love of Christ and that everyone else understands it as well, we'll put our human biases aside. And that part of our humanity, that broken culture that we've developed, will start to dissipate. That we will become people who root each other on and want to see each other succeed. And I feel this on a deep spiritual level because I am one of the most competitive people in the world. If there's a winner and a loser, I want to win. And during this quarantine, it's been really interesting. Uh, I haven't been able to watch sports at all, and that's been really hard because that's a big part of my life. But one of the things that we have done as a family is we've been playing a lot of Monopoly. And I love Monopoly. And my son Maddox is seven, so he's just old enough to kind of understand. And then my daughter Zara, she hands out uh, the houses and the hotels and all that kind of stuff. So we've been playing as a family, which has been really, really good. But the problem is I'm not a dad who lets my seven-year-old win, and I'm not a husband who likes when my wife wins. So I go hard. I see Maddox coming around the corner, and I put extra houses on my properties to try to take him out. And it's so easy for me to look at at the people around me at the table, my family, and be like, no, I'm going to win this thing. But that translates, unfortunately, to just my life is that I want to be the best at what I do. I want to be the winner. I want to be the people that look at, they're like, oh, man, I need him to show me how to do this well. And, And that's such a terrible part of my human nature, and it's something I've been working on for a really, really long time. And apparently in quarantine for Monopoly, it's it hasn't translated quite yet. But I need to, and we need to make sure that we aren't so competitive that we aren't rooting each other on. That we are people who say, hey, your gifts and your talents, the things that you're really good at are just as important as what I'm good at. And I believe that it's going to make a great impact on the kingdom of God. And I, I think that we can even see this competitive nature in our in our churches. That we would look at churches and say, oh, we, we want to be the best. We want to have the best sermons. We want to have the best worship. We want to have the best guest services. We want to have all that stuff. And I think if taken healthily, it can actually serve to our benefit. Because if I'm giving my best and somebody else is giving their best and we're challenging each other to be better and to grow and to learn and to be the best version of ourselves, more people are going to come to know Jesus. And that's an amazing thing. But there's a really fine line where am I being competitive because I want to be better or am I trying to just be better myself so that more people follow Jesus? And what Paul is saying is he's saying, hey, everybody's got gifts. Everybody's got talents. And they're all so, so important. Encourage each other in them. Help each other grow in them. This this isn't about human competition. It's about knowing God and being known by him and introducing him to every single person that we know. So we have to have that mentality. And if we can have that mentality, oh man, we're going to put ourselves in such a healthy place. Paul then transitions in the next chapter by saying, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So for 12 chapters, he's been giving direction and correction and and all these different things. And he's answering questions and, and he's doing all this stuff. And he says, hey, all of these things, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. Reminder, reminder, reminder. And then he throws this but statement out there. They're asking this question, how do we do it? How do we be unified? How do, how do we root each other on? How do we do this? And his answer is one of the most beautiful phrases in all of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1-3 through 3 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. 
See, the original Greek word for love in this context was agape. It was considered to be the highest form of love. It indicated a God love, God for his people, and also indicated a selfless concern for the welfare of others. A selfless concern for the welfare of others. So that's the next point, a selfless concern for others. On the most basic level, Paul is saying, you know, listen, I can be the biggest, I can be the baddest, strongest, smartest, wisest, most successful, most holy man around. But if it is not rooted in a selfless concern for others, it means absolute jack. If it is not rooted in love, it doesn't mean anything. See, if everything that we have strived for in our lives and everything that has naturally been gifted to us by God is not used for the well-being of others, we're missing the point. What Paul is saying is, if I'm not rooted contextually that what I do and who I am is for the benefit of the people in my life, the ones that are close to me and the ones that are far away from me, if it's not rooted in a selfless care for the well-being of them, then it really isn't going to amount to anything. I can be the best, but at the end of the day, it's going to be really empty if I'm not the best for the people around me. So what I want to do this week is I want to leave you with a couple questions to mull over. And and I, I want you to maybe reach out to a friend or a family member. It, it might be somebody who comes to college age. It might be somebody not. But, but maybe have a, a short conversation over these two questions. Number one, what are your strengths and gifts? Talk about that. Have a dialogue about that. What, what do I feel like God has uniquely gifted and equipped me with? We talk about it a lot at college age that, that there's not one person who's talented the exact way that somebody else is. And that's a beautiful thing that God has uniquely gifted and equipped us. And then also, what things have you earned through hard work and time spent? I think that we all recognize that some of us aren't naturally gifted at things, but we put so much work and so much time and so much effort into becoming better at something. And God has blessed us with the ability to grow and to be better with all of the effort that we placed in. So we have strengths and we have gifts. We have things that God has uniquely just like naturally given us. I don't have to try. I'm just really, really good at this. And then things like I have to try really, really hard and I've put in the work to be good at this. So what are your strengths and gifts? Have a dialogue with somebody about that. Figure out how you're uniquely equipped and how they're uniquely equipped. And then secondly, how can you use those gifts and strengths to benefit others this week? It can be so free, so easy for us to do things that will benefit us in the long run. I'll use my gifts. I'll use my talented, talents for recognition, for position, for whatever. But how can I use it to benefit other people? Let's step out of our broken humanity and into the intentionality that God has asked us to have. Let's be intentional with, to use those gifts and use those strengths for other people. I think there's a, a, a mantra that we could live by that would just say, we are for others in love always. For others in love always. So how can we impact others in this season with our gifts and talents? And don't let it just stop there. Yes, we are in quarantine season. We are in uh, uh, social distancing season. But that season is going to end. And we're still going to have to figure out how to use our gifts and talents for the benefit of other people. So how can you use your strengths and gifts? Identify them. Figure out how you can use those for the, the betterment of the people in your life. Thanks for tuning in again this week, you guys. We love you so much. We can't wait to meet in person. Head over to our social media, College Age Movement on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Join our Facebook group, College Age Movement family. We have all kinds of stuff going on, and we want to stay connected. If you need prayer for absolutely anything, please do not hesitate to reach out. You can email me personally, ecook at faithchapel.cc, or you can contact Faith Chapel generally if you want. 
You can also direct message us on any of our social medias. We love you guys, and we hope to see you really soon.